This week on the Sport Blocks. This week, the WNBA season wraps up as the NBA begins. The T20 World Cup enters the Super 12 phases with some massive shocks. Watch out for that mustard. And the Balloon World Cup bursts onto the scene. Oh, sure you did it again. Let's go. It is 8.49 on Tuesday, the 26th of October. I'm giving him the thumbs 20... up. We got the time right. Yes. You I'll be given the exact seconds next time. You will. Well. You will. And it's back on our normal schedule, Stewie, after the little choke special last week that we teased for about a year and a half. And it was hopefully people had a bit of fun with that. So go back and check out episode 72 if you haven't already. We've got two weeks before another one coming because I'm going to Adelaide. So there you go. Yes, we've already recorded that one too. So that one's in the can ready to go. One thing I will mention quickly at the top, though, I actually, when we talked about lay down Sally Robbins, and, and again, this whole process has been really interesting in defining are these actually chokes and who is the one that's actually choked. But I neglected to mention Isabita Leeper, the most decorated rower in Olympic history. Now, I did mention her, but I didn't mention her name. So apologies to Elizabeth Leeper. Not only is she the most decorated rower with five gold, two silver and one bronze, she actually holds the record for most years between gold medals at Olympics at 20. She won it first in the 1896 Athens. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I, yeah. If, if we knew anything about rowing, we, I'm sure we would know she was a legend of the sport. And, well, those numbers are good enough for me to know yeah. they're pretty bloody good. <laughs> yeah. But as we do at the time every week, we'll call your attention and what you miss. Well, it's been a massive couple of weeks in a number of different sports, but we have to talk about one of the most phenomenal new sports. <laughs> Anyone who has listened to us for a little while might remember me talking about a, a crazy point of balloon keepy-uppy yes. that I was a part of and, and another one that I saw online. Which was, yes, everywhere online, yes. Well, holy shit, they've got a World Cup. <laughs> It's ridiculous. And it's even better than you'd think. Oh, especially the commentators. So, <laughs> oh! so, so the reason that it's awesome for that, for the commentating and also the actual game itself, Barcelona football star Gerard Piquet has actually organised this. It took place in Tarragona, which is a, a gorgeous coastal city, about an hour from Barcelona. And the reason for it was that while they were bored during all of their quarantine, this was something they started doing. And eventually they started videoing a few of their points. And got Which a, is why they got viral. And, and, and it yeah. went viral. And yeah. so he thought, okay, enough people like this. Let's give it a shot. And the setup is absolutely wild. They've got this massive enclosed space with windows, kind of similar to how a squash court looks, but with glass the whole way around. And you've got couches and tables and video games. And there's well, a- this is the thing. So it's set up like a living room, basically. And then... Well, there's a Volkswagen car yeah, in there. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, no, but this is the sponsorship. Yeah, I figured it was maybe the prize. Because too. one of the tables, I noticed they had a whole bunch of Mentos. Right. Who right. I'm guessing are nuts. Of course. So they've yeah, got the sponsors yeah. there. So yeah. yeah, aside from the car, it looks like, yeah, it's amazing. So the title was actually taken out by Peru's Francesco de la Cruz. And I have to ask the question, Nathan. Future Olympic sport? <laughs> You've seen it. Oh, why not? How good was it? Uh, it the commentary was what got me. It's, it was hilarious. It's almost as good as Kabaddi. Oh, check it out. It's it is, better than Kabaddi. It is, nah, yeah, yeah. It's better. Calm down. No. Nah. Pretty bloody good. It's no Kabaddi. <laughs> no, nah, it, is, it is amazing. Oh, dear. Yes, oh, dear. That is a very good segue into the next one. Oh, well, I aim to please. Probably the biggest thing that actually caught my attention these past couple of weeks is this whole Australian Open saga to do with this mandate. So originally there was a mandate, they're talking about players not being allowed to participate or really even enter Victoria 
unless they're vaccinated against COVID. Now, there's a little bit of talk that, well, maybe it'll just be you have to do the two weeks quarantine like what they did last year. Yeah, yep. But considering what Victoria's just been through and, and Melbourne is the most quarantined and, and locked down city yeah. in yep. the entire world, yep. I, I don't think they need to be bending the rules for a tennis tournament. No, it's it's no. kind of crazy. And look, I don't agree with athletes' decisions not to be vaccinated. I think it's selfish, but at the end of the day, it is their right not to. Yes. They, they reserve that right. Yes. And look, there's been stories of a few complications, but funnily enough, the last two that I've read, both people said, even though they experienced complications, like one woman had a stroke. Yes. But she still believes in them and she still encourages people to go out and get them. Yep. So, and, yeah. th- and this is it. They then can't sit there, though, and piss and moan about not being allowed into Melbourne when it's the right of Australia to protect their people. Absolutely. So my, my question, I guess, is if that is the, the rule, though, do you think Djokovic maybe will change his mind in this pursuit of history? Uh, I think he probably feels like he can still do it without coming here. Yep. So, so I wouldn't, no, I don't think, I think he's pretty strong on it. And I, I agree entirely. I, I, I actually think, you know, given that he's only 33, he'll still have loads of chances to pass Roger and Rafa. But on the flip side for those two, it's obviously a potentially weaker field. Is, so, this, yeah, 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 is, yeah. is this as good a chance as they're ever going to have at another Grand Slam title? So it's going to be a fascinating tournament. You were telling me off air that the Kuyon Classic's been cancelled. It has, yeah, fairly recent news. Which, yep. which I didn't know about. Yeah, they so, put a fork in that one. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting what's going on there. The big question is, though, Stewie, have they prepped their dunnies? Is Sitsipas coming? <laughs> They've built enough toilets. Oh, the shits are past. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I, d- I don't know the. Uh, oh, it's been probably the biggest uh, talking point of the whole tournament. Yeah, the it? question without notice you no, won't expect. No, but very much more. <laughs> caught me off guard completely. I've edged one through to the caper there. <laughs> and I will just finish up quickly on another COVID-related thing. Kelly Slater, legend of surfing, complete fucking idiot outside of the water. Apparently so. There was a bit of a debate online between Ironman Matt Poole and surf lifesaver Trevor Hendy of the pros and cons of getting the jab. And Kelly Slater walks in stating, among other things, that COVID, quote, is clearly a disease of the obese, unhealthy, and elderly if you study the official statistics. Some truth. Partial truth, yeah. But I, I mean, but that's true of any illness. Yes. The, the compromised, for whatever reason, be it age, immuno, or poor health, for other non-immuno reasons, of course, they're more likely to catch shit. Yes. So, yeah, okay. But then, Common sense. But then he says, I'm positive I know more about being healthy than 99% of doctors. But most of my COVID info comes directly from doctor friends, many of them in disagreement with the official science. Science in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Dr. Colossus. Well, yeah, well, that's that's what I'm trying to think of. Like, yeah. Hopefully, for the sake of American people, these doctors he's speaking of are Doctors of philosophy or, yeah. or Dr. Worm by They Might Be Giants. Or, he's not a real doctor, but he is a real worm, and an he, actual worm. And he knows a lot about COVID. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically nothing to do with actual medicine. Yes. What, what a clown. Yeah, yeah. No, not good. How about yourself, mate? Not good. Oh, mate, I've got another one. So, Alizomiopi, yes. take a seat because we have yet another. At least she had a sign. Well, yeah. Yeah, at least she was somewhat paying attention to... <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So there's been an incident at the Cyclo Tourista Concaca Salmore bike event in Canary Island. Close, yeah, I know, I, just, I really gave up on that one. Close, close Some big Spanish <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Where a lady has had her head buried in her phone and caused a collision 
hold my drink, Elizomiopi. And apparently the writer, who as yet has been unidentified, it's in the Canary Islands, it's all very new news, is in worse shape than she is. And he was going to win. I'm surprised because she had her face buried in her phone, but then a second later she had her face buried in the ground. Well, that's true. Like it hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was there was just no way for him to avoid. Like no. it was it was going to happen because of her stupidity. Yeah, it's horrible. It, just it, it is horrible. It's particularly horrible because he can't win. It's robbed him of a win. So that's really sad. There'll be more to come out of this. It is very new, but yeah, that's that's definitely caught my attention. Said it before, and I'll say it again, Nathan. Barriers. Yes. Get the barriers. Yes. In. And I do have some other notes, but I'll probably leave them for the specific sports section. So, yes, I am a little bit light on because last week I was away, which is why we had the choke special uh, uploaded because we couldn't record on our normal schedule because we're in a nice secluded cabin in the woods down south in Augusta in the southwest of WA here with no internet. So, God, you found the one spot that doesn't have <laughs> any average uh, it, was, it was quite nice, actually. It was, it was a shame that it coincided with the start of the NBA season. But it was it was nice to have a bit of a digital detox and couldn't even get five G off your off your arm. No, no, I know, I know. Maybe I need my booster shot. Well, surprise. There you go. (laughs) What'd you miss, mate? Well, I actually forgot about the T Twenty World Cup starting, so I missed a few of the warm up games, which I know basically the pointless preseason equivalent. Yeah, yeah. And and you know a couple of the Group A and B qualifiers, but aside from that, I've done pretty well this week actually. Very good. Very good. Watch a lot of sport. You might have to carry the show. What's new? Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Oh, well. It's on early. So, Shree, the NBA at 75, the 75th season has tipped off. But, ladies first, congratulations to the Chicago Sky winning the WNBA championship out of the sixth seed, no less, defeating a fourth seed Phoenix Mercury three games to one. The Sky had to get through two single elimination games before their best of five series in the semis and finals. Candace Parker returning home, bringing a championship to the city of Chicago. But it was Kalia Copper who won finals MVP for the Sky, who averaged 18.6 points per game, 5.9 rebounds and 2.4 assists in the playoffs, all up from her season averages. And a tip of the hat as well to Sandy Brondello, who coached the team to the finals in the Mercury. They didn't get over the line, but still a very good effort. Could this finally be the end of Diana Taurasi? Yes, some are speculating. Yeah, she's been around a bloody long time. So. She is pretty much going to t- well. She'll turn forty during next season if she does play again. So it seems unlikely. Her and Penny Taylor have, I believe, just welcomed a a, a baby. I don't know if it's a girl or a boy, but a, a baby into the world. So now's probably the time to. Holy shit! I did not know she was with Penny Taylor. Yeah, they've both done very well for themselves. Wow. There you go. Because they're, they're both very attractive women. Wow. So done, Gee, well, they, and I'll tell you what, we often talk about, I mean, with, I've talked about Candace Parker and Sheldon Williams. They'd create a pretty good, good basketball good, kid as well. Yeah. We're hoping oh. good, good pedigree. Down yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, absolutely. Congratulations to them all. And look, not a bad consolation prize. If you can't win a championship, have, yeah, have well, a baby. And bloody oath, like two of the greatest WNBA players of all time are a couple. Yep. Fancy that. Absolutely. Good on them. So NBA seventy five, and, uh, and we just watched the ad again. It's it just it's so clever. Isn't it's it? it's brilliant. fantastic. It is brilliant, and I have to say, Michael B. Jordan as the I guess bus driver, the, yeah. narrator slash bus driver, he is he's just such a great guy. I just love the detail as well. So there'll be stuff lost on younger people, like they show Russell Westbrook, and then they also show Oscar Robertson, and there's that triple double connection, and they don't highlight that it's Oscar Robertson, but if you know him, you, you can 
see that connection. And I loved seeing Little Penny or Lil Penny playing chess with uh, Jerry with West, Jerry West yeah. as well. So there's so much great detail. I would strongly encourage people to check the ad out because it's absolutely classic. Two and a half minutes of history. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Now, the announcement of the NBA at 75 team, maybe not so much. So, okay, before we get into the games, as I mentioned, the NBA at 75 has once again released an anniversary team, this time for the 75th anniversary. I'll tell you what, it doesn't seem that long ago that the I'm 50 came just, out. just about to say, it feels like we blinked. Oh, man. And I, I remember us, like, at lunchtime, like, going to the library to use the internet and jumping on NBA.com and, and looking. Oh, uh, yeah, looking at that sort <laughs> Actually, of Actually, that wouldn't be you. Your voice was probably this deep. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to have a deep voice from a fairly young age. So at time of selection, the players selected across the field, and look, it is 76 rather than 75, and we'll get to that in a second, combined for 158 NBA championships, 62 most valuable player awards, 48 finals MVPs, and a whopping 730 all-star selections. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. But you know what's interesting? 76 players, 62 MVPs. Yeah, that is surprising. Yeah. Where are the rest of them? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. One hit wonders. Yeah. True. I mean, Derek Rose, for example. Yes. He won one. Good point. So, yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting to work them out, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. But yeah, as I said, where do we start with this? The fact that there's 76 players on the 75th team? This is, yeah, this is a real point of contention for me. If you're going to have a team for NBA 75, you can't, why would you do 76? Yeah, why? it's Mate, crazy. It, You've no, got to build in a tiebreaker. Yeah, there's absolutely no rational. I heard a really, really great option for it. Make Adam Silver the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Make him choose. Or just make- or go back to all the voters again and say, which out of these two players do you think deserves to make it over the other? Yep. And there's any number of ways they could have broken that tie. Any number of ways. Or they play rock, rock paper, scissors, <laughs> lizard, Spock or something like that. Well, I was thinking maybe horse. But oh, uh, yeah, he- you wouldn't want it to be Pete Maravich. Well, well, he's- that was my point. He's- yeah, yeah. 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 Point. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant because- he can't play from. I, I know he- Halloween's coming up soon, but he can't play from beyond <laughs> the grave. No shit. I thought you meant that because he was really good at because <laughs> he was- they, they did a horse at NBA uh, All Star Game half time. He was a horse champion. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah. Not well, the fact no, that he's no, dead. No, I was. <laughs> I was yeah. Oh it was a bit God. of gallows humor a few yeah. days out from Halloween. It was, and it just completely. That, that's what the young kids are calling whoosh nowadays. <laughs> uh, whoosh, whoosh. But on top of the 76, there has been a myriad of players who have been listed as snubs, as yes. with every all star team, there are snubs. I mean, yeah, been- well, with any list like this, and it is subjective, and everyone has a different metric as well, which is. Well, I mean, there's, there's some players, the likes of Alex English, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson. Yep. Probably the biggest one though, and the one that we kind of Adrian Dantley is another. Uh, yeah, that's that's disgusting that he didn't make. Yeah, it. yeah. He's, he's well, a, him and Alex English are pretty similar when yeah, you look at their stats. That's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. and from a similar era too. Yeah. But the one that I guess has got so much traction everywhere, and I feel like you and I have a very different viewpoint. Yeah, I know. We're the only ones that. Yeah. Is Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard. And I was surprised. Even Bill Simmons came in to defend him, and Bill hates him. Like he. And look, it's not just because the guy's a clown. He did have a sustained period of excellence, but there are a number of factors, including not winning a championship, of course, but his well, peers at the time weren't spectacular, were they? And yes, he beat LeBron to make the finals to he, lose he, to Kobe. He did win a championship with the Lakers. Oh, yeah, but I'm not yeah, okay. I'm not talking about as a benchman. Well, let's start by looking at what's the case for him making it. Yes. So eight-time All-Star, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, eight-time All-NBA player and five straight All-NBA first teams, which no one else has done. Yes, which is excellent. It's a good resume. Yes, but context. I always bang on about context. 
his peers weren't quite the peers if he'd been playing in the 90s, for example. And, and this is the thing. This is the big thing that everyone's been talking about. Oh, five straight All-NBA first teams. That's great. But as you say, it's context. You've got to look at the pool of centres at that time. It was yeah, so weak. It was. Amari Stoudemire was the only player giving Dwight a pretty reasonable run for his money there. If and you, if it weren't for injuries, he could have very well been on this list. Yeah. But unfortunately, his career kind of tumbled. Well, if, if you look at the third team players, so you had Yao Ming, very good player, but never really sort of hit those highs, the highest of highs. You had 400-year-old Shaq, who was really tailing off towards the end of his career. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. And it gets better. Andrew Bynum. Yes. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. And Al Horford. Yeah. So you're not talking about... No, it's not Ewing, Robinson... Olajuwon. Matumbo. Morning. Morning. Yeah, yeah. It's and, completely different. And this is the thing. If you then go back to the 80s, you throw in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Moses Malone. Yep. If you go back to the 70s, you've got Bill Walton, Dave Cowens, Bob McAdoo. Even guys like Artis Gilmore. And there's, there's yep. all sorts of... Yeah. The 60s, you've got Willis Reed, Wes Unsell, Will Chamberlain, Owen, you know, a guy named Bill Russell as yeah, well. Yeah, may have heard of him, yeah. So the point is that Dwight didn't dominate a really strong group of centres the no. way that all of these other guys That's could. right. And, th- and that's why... You can't look at that stat in isolation. Yeah, that's yeah. why Will Chamberlain never did it because he had Bill Russell to compete Exactly, that's exactly. That's why Hakeem Olajuwon never Name did it. Name the 90s, guys, yeah. Because he had yep. Ewing and Robinson yep. and O'Neal and all these... So, yep. yeah, if he if he didn't dominate the weakest centre period in NBA history, you you wouldn't even be talking about this. Yep. And, yep. and he, he should be ashamed of himself if he didn't, quite frankly. So And he did have a really good stretch. He really did. But... I don't know. For me, his career still represents a bit of missed opportunity and unfulfilled promise. Yep. Absolutely. I feel like he could have done more. Well, he should have done more. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the thing is, the other side of things, the off-the-court stuff, that's got to play into it as well. Because if you're talking about so many of these guys and so many championships, these are guys, look at someone like Robert Parrish, for example. Maybe not the most gifted centre on the entire list, but damn, was he a good team player. Oh, yeah. Played yeah. his part and was a great team player. You try and tell me that people in Orlando, people in Los Angeles, like Kobe, Kobe hated him. James yeah. Harden hated him. The entire Atlanta, Charlotte and Washington fan base hated him. By the way, he was from Atlanta too, and they were hoping to draft him. Yeah, and he, still, so, he gets booed when he goes back there now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Now, one of the things I guess that, that you brought up when we talked about this initially was the whole idea of recency bias. Yes. Yeah. So there are a few names there. And look, I've got to be honest, I will backtrack on that a little bit. So there's, there's guys like Lillard, uh, even Kawhi Leonard, who is an amazing player and has already done some pretty amazing things. But I thought, oh, they haven't been around a hell of a lot. But then I looked and a lot of these guys have actually been knocking about for a decade. So like, yeah, Westbrook, uh, who else is in that boat? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is another one. Yeah. So so initially that was my first reaction, but now I have back backtracked a little bit from that one. But I'm still a bit iffy on Lillard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when there were guys trying to justify Luka Doncic and oh, that's absurd. And Nikola Jokic. No, that's fucking guys. ridiculous. They're guys that will make the 100 list. Absolutely. Well, will they? Top 100? Are you kidding? But this is my point. Like it's 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 like Zion Williamson, or that's you, different. you you, you that's look different. at. You look at um, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL and the season he's having. There's a reason they play the games. You cannot coronate a guy too early. Shit can happen. Who knows what any any number of things could happen. Now, I hope not. I, re- I love Nikola Jokic. I bang on about him all the time. I hope he's in the NBA at 100 team. Obviously, Doncic, all these guys. 
Well, we just don't know. We don't know what the future holds. Yeah. Look what's happened in the last two years with COVID, for Christ's sake. Do we ever think we'd be facing a fucking pandemic? Oh, absolutely. And that's why it bothered me that Shaq was on the NBA at 50 list because there was no guarantee. Now, luckily, they that, got it right. Yeah. Luckily, that one <laughs> panned out, but there was no guarantee. Amari Stoudemire is another bloke that in the early 2000s, the way he was dominating, you would have thought, fuck, this guy could end up passing Duncan as the best power forward of all time. There's a reason they play the games. I want to throw one name at you, though, that you could potentially look at as a player you could take out to make way for someone else. Yep. Bill Walton. Oh, big time. There's no way he should have been on the list. One of the greatest college players of all time had that incredible season for Portland. By the way, The Breaks of the Game is a fantastic book. Definitely worth a read. But after that, unfortunately, injuries derailed him. No, he should not be on the list. This is the thing. So he's got career averages of 13 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 2.2 blocks a game. He was exceptional for two seasons. He was pretty good for another three, and then injuries absolutely derailed him. And it's a shame we didn't want to see that, the back and the foot injury. I mean, he was probably the best player in the league the year Portland won the championship. Well, he won MVP. So, yeah, yeah, the the league certainly agreed. Yeah, and And out of college, he was fantastic. He was incredible for UCLA, but it's an NBA list. Yeah, and that was my question. Does the fact that he was the best player on a a Blazers championship team get him the nod? I mean, I looked at it because this is the thing. I ranked it in terms of the top 75 players by points, by rebound. Yep. And Walton and Dennis Rodman were so far behind everyone, certainly in the points. Yeah. Rodman obviously makes up for that in the rebounds, in the championships. Well, that's that right. And the defense. And yeah, yeah. But, but it's interesting because a lot of guys don't think Rodman should be in the team either. Now, I probably would favor Rodman being in the team because he was one of those really important stats aren't everything guys, although he gobbled up a lot of rebounds. Again, context. There's so many things. And this is the other problem. So what criteria are people using? If it's a Lifetime Achievement Award for Bill Walton, there's no way. Look, I love Bill Walton, but there's no way I would have had him on the list. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I would take Howard over Walton. Yeah. I probably, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, he's got a stronger case. So you could certainly make that case. But, yeah. I, but I would also say that there are guys I would take ahead of Howard. I would, yep. I would take Tony Parker ahead of him. You're talking about... Well, Pau Gasol is another international that missed. But look at Parker. Four-time All-NBA player, amongst the likes of Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul. So we're talking about a really strong pool of guards. Yeah, finals MVP. Yeah, he won four championships and that finals MVP. Yep. You can look at guys like Alex English, who we mentioned before. He averaged more than 25 points a game in eight straight seasons, despite never making more than four three-pointers in a single season. Yes, different times. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I would honestly have before Dwight. And that's the funny thing about this list. As you said before, it's subjective. It is. It's completely subjective. Everyone from 70, well, 77, we'll say, because 76 came. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of that, should Clay Thompson, why is he like... Oh, fuck knows why he's... Like, I mean, he's, he's very good and he's had a good career, but is he really number 77? Is he, like, is he top 100? Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't know that he's top 100. I'm not convinced either. So, yeah, yeah. look, he's a very, very good player. He's successful. And look, but he, he's missed a lot of time too with injury. But he averages more points, assists, and steals per game than Dwight Howard does. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got four championships compared to the one that Dwight managed to get by being a bench player for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and of course, one of Walton's championship was as a bench player for the Celtics. Yes. So you can't you can't stack up. Even championships, no two championships are created equal either. Correct. And the other thing is, it's so hard to compare errors because 25 points a game in the 90s is like 30 now. Hmm. In those horrible slugfests, the scoring. So, so the NBA has had so many different eras where 
defense becomes more or less of a premium over time and all sorts of things are going on. So, And you, yeah. would, you would almost argue that the 25 points again, Alex English average that I just spoke about, in the 80s is the equivalent of probably 19, 20 points a game this season. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, there was a lot of, reputably not a lot of defense played back then too, but yeah, it's, yeah, so it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Very interesting though. And look, I'm not one for lists and stuff, but I I do enjoy getting outraged. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny that, as you say, it's really funny that you and I seem to be the only people, I was amazed. I thought I could put money on Bill Simmons at least saying that. But to quickly circle back to the point that I was sort of making there, with these lists, because they are subjective, everyone from 77 in this case all the way through to probably 100 are going to feel like they were snubbed. Yeah. They'll feel like they were better than this player and this player. Yeah, this yeah. So yeah. it's tough. It's kind of fun. The list doesn't mean shit at the end of the day. No, not really. They don't get yeah. anything for it except no. a name in history. But yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm glad they corrected the record on Dominic Wilkins because he was probably a very unlucky snub in the NBA at 50 oh, list. Massively. Yeah. Massively. And as one of my favorite players as a kid, I was so pissed off when he yeah. didn't make the list. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting that all 50 from the list came through again. Hey. That that is interesting. And I dare say it probably won't change for the list at 100. Yeah. I wouldn't think. But all in all, a very good list, I thought. Yes. Well, I enjoyed talking about it just now. Yeah. Good, good fun. You wanted to start off with some fun stats, and I've got something a little bit fun too before you move on to some questions. Well, there's, there's been a few really fun, interesting stats before the season's even started and also from the first week. So the first one that, that really caught my attention, which I thought was absolutely amazing, at the start of the season, LeBron James had actually logged 3,298 more regular season minutes than the entire Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> roster. Oh, that's absurd. The it? entire roster. That's fantastic. Nuts. That's absolutely fantastic. nuts. Then from the first week, so Chris Paul became the only player in NBA history with 20,000 points and 10,000 assists in his career. LeBron is about 300 assists shy of getting his 10,000th assist, so he'll obviously then go to the only player with 30,000 points and 10,000 assists. And he could very well end up being the highest scorer and have 10,000 assists. That's oh, I, amazing. I, I still think he'll finish probably third or fourth in assists. And when you think about it, only seven guys have 30,000 points and only six guys currently have 10,000 assists. So very the, impressive. the likelihood of someone else doing that, very, very slim. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a beast. Bit of a random one here. I, I didn't realise this season actually marks the first time since he started playing in 2013 that Seth Curry has played back-to-back seasons on the same team. Huh, there you go. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is surprising. I know he's bounced around a bit, but uh, yeah, certainly hasn't had the stability that his brothers had. But yeah, he well, has, he has not. There you go. Now, Cole Anthony, second generation NBA player. Yeah, there's a few of them knocking about. He's had a pretty decent start to the season. He had 29 points, 16 rebounds, eight assists, and five threes in a game mm, the other day. Mm. Only Steph, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, and Manu Ginobili had achieved that before him. Yeah, yeah. And he's six foot two. Well, the, the word is that they were easing Suggs in because he came in under a bit of a cloud in, at the start of the season. And Anthony's taken that opportunity with both hands. Good on him. That's a very strong backcourt they he have there. really, really has. Just maybe a bit short. Yes. Well, that's what but, I'm saying. But, yeah. 16 rebounds, though. For yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, there's been a few firsts as well. So, Ja Morant became the first Grizzly with a 40-point 10 assist game. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Jalen Green became the first Rocket to score 30 with eight threes as a rookie. And Tyler Hero, the first Heat player with 30 points and 10 rebounds off the bench. Sixth man of the year, absolutely lock it in. Well, unless he moves into the starting five, of course. But he's great fire off the bench, absolutely, yeah. Do you know he'd be the first Heat player to win that award? Yeah, there you go. So there you go. 
Can we just take a quick second to talk about just how utterly ridiculous traveling has become in the NBA? And I know that probably sounds laughable because it's always it's always yeah. been that way. But just before halftime of the Miami Heat's dismantlement of Milwaukee, which was completely out of left field, did not see that coming. Max Struess had this awesome chase down block on Jordan Nuora. And Tyler Hero picks up the loose ball with his front foot at the opposing free throw line. So, okay. so his back foot is probably, I don't know, a foot and a half, two feet inside that line. Yep. He's taken one dribble. One. To what? To the basket? To launch a three from about, <sighs> about halfway between the logo and the other three-point line. So he's basically covered pretty much the equivalent of half the court in one dribble. <laughs> And we're not talking oh. about Giannis where his strides are basically the length of the Atlantic yeah, Ocean. Yeah, we're talking about, growing. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about a guy here who's like 6'5". Yeah. It's just no, ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, not good. Come on, be yeah, serious. Yeah. Be serious. Yeah. I'll tell you what's serious, Stewie. Paddy Mills becoming the first player in league history to make their first 10 threes of the season. And the only other player to do it in the last 25 years with eight consecutive to start a year. It was Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills. Oh, it's hard to not see him in a Spurs uniform still, i got to say. But I'm glad he landed on a good team. Sorry, he followed it up, going one of six. Well, you know, you can't stay then, hot then, but, then, but then five of nine today as well. So Yeah, just, no, he certainly had a great start. 54% from three. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and with Kyrie not playing, of course, that's a good thing. Now, Nath, you actually had a like on Twitter from a former NBA, I'm not going to say star, like... No, certainly not. If, no. if, if I was news.com.au or one of those... Oh, yeah, well, like, yeah. NBA oh, star likes tweet, yeah. you know. Yeah, of course. Everyone's a star to get headlines. Yeah, so, look, I never in my life thought I would say that I had a tweet liked by Jim McElvain. Former Seattle Supersonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who was overpaid after their 96 uh, finals appearance. But, yeah. At Sport Blokes, check it out on Twitter. Jim McElvain liked one of our tweets. So what was the tweet? Because I didn't actually see it. I'm not very active on the old Twitter. So there's there's this kind of trend going around at the moment where people are tweeting old logos and they say, who is the first player you think of when you see this logo? So another one I saw the other day was the original Grizzlies logo. And of course, well... What, do, what would you think of when you think of the first? It's obvious, Big Country Rex. Exactly. And, there's, there's, and I nearly wrote it, and then I saw the responses, and I thought, well, why, why, you know, why bother? Because everyone else has said the it. The only other one that comes to mind is Blue Edwards. Okay, he was mentioned. The other two, I would say, Sharif Abdurrahim and yeah. Mike Bibby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Big Country was the one I thought of. of. Course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they showed one of the older Washington Bullets logos when they were then Bullets. Mm -hmm. And so I said, as weird as it sounds, for whatever reason, Calvacini comes to mind. He was the first player I thought of when I saw that Bullets logo. Fuck, that doesn't sound weird at all. Mine was Jeff Malone. Yeah, well, yeah, it's funny. It's funny where your mind goes. Yeah, I had Don McLean as well as my second one. Don McLean. There you yeah. go. He's yeah. a six-man of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So yeah, I like from Jim yeah. McElvain. Jim McElvain. Of all people. Because he did go and then play for Washington after Seattle. So there you go. Yeah, well, I, I assume he was maybe mates with Calvert or something, and that's Must why the fact that I... Yeah, Jim there McElvain. you go. Yeah. Uh, Josh Giddy is making all of us in Australia say Ben who? Now, I was very bullish on Giddy. You only need to go back to our episodes over a year ago to hear me saying... We're only going to go back like three episodes in eighth where I was asking if he'd make the All-NBA rookie team and you said he'd average like 18 minutes a game. Yeah, no. Well, this is... I'm, I'm prepared to admit when I'm wrong. I mean, but the, the evidence shows way back when that I was bullish on him being a top 10 pick. So I got oh, that. true. But I did think they'd ease him in a bit more. But he's been fantastic, no. hasn't he? Like, I haven't watched a Thunder game yet, but the stat line is fantastic. The highlights are brilliant. Some lovely little passes. He got smacked the fuck out by Joel Embiid, who, by the way, Jingles got ejected for a similar but not as bad incident 
and Joel Embiid got to stay on the court. But the thing I loved about that is Giddy went back and hit a three not long after that. He does not give a shit. No, he belongs. And as I say, like Ben who? Like Ben Simmons. Increasingly, he is becoming less and less interesting. He's a footnote. He he just, yeah. There was a period where I wanted the Spurs to trade for him. Now I don't want any part of him. So there's been something interesting during the rounds on Twitter. Uh, So there was a 2016 report from Jonathan Giovoni, one of the big draft guys. So he said in 2016, leading into the draft, Simmons' lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who know him best say he needs things to revolve around him on and off the court, and that he's often been close-minded to coaching or instruction. So again, Joel Embiid is no saint. He went from, I don't, what did he say? Like, I don't care about that guy or whatever, to the yeah. next day saying to the crowd, he's our brother. So look, Joel's a, oh, he's a twat tr- too. He's a, he's a troll. Yeah. But... Doesn't look like much has changed, does it? The red flags were there. The Kardashian curse strikes again. <laughs> that's that's all I can say. Oh, dear. Get involved with those women at your peril. <laughs> a couple of other quick ones. James Harden hasn't been getting to the free throw line as much. So the, the new, new the rules. Rule. be interesting to see if they remain. It was interesting in that Boston. Oh, it will. It absolutely it will. Well, yeah. Often you think about when they try and enforce new rules and then by the end of the season, old habits come in again. You know what I mean? No. I know the standard rule in the AFL stage. I'm going to give you an example of why this is going to stay. Look at the the rip-through move. Yes. That used to always be rip-through, going yeah, for a yeah, shot, you yeah. would get two free throws. That has stayed. Yeah. This will stay as well. It is a good look for the league. Russell Westbrook got done for a kick-out in one of the previous games. That's me kicking the microphone again. <laughs> I'm good at doing that. When I say, when the, you word, say the word kick. I say the word kick. Yeah. I kick things. Um, but yeah, basically Westbrook got done for it for kicking out on one of the threes. It's the right call. Oh, I agree. But I'm worried it's gone maybe too far the other way because in that Boston New York game, there was an Evan Fournier one that I thought, oh, he maybe should have gone to the line on that one. If but it's the one I'm thinking of, I think he jumped in a little bit. He did. Yeah. He did jump in a little bit, but I still felt like because the guy left his feet and came back down. Anyway, look, it's good. It's it, good yeah, thing. look, I'd much rather them not call it. Than, than what they used to do. So, yeah. so that's good, but it will be interesting to see if it sticks. The other one before, an interesting story. So Avery Bradley became the 11th player in NBA history to record no stats in at least 20 minutes of play after managing donuts across the board in 21 minutes in a big loss to the Suns. And by the way, I can't remember if it was that game or not. It might have been, actually. Did you see Rajon Rondo getting a fan ejected? I haven't actually seen the footage. I heard about it. Oh, it's fucked up, man. So basically, there's a guy sitting in the front seat. Look, he's probably trolling Rondo. You pay a lot of money to be able to make comments to players on the court. Rondo holds his hand up like a gun right in the guy's face, like bang, bang, like a trigger, like pretending to shoot the guy in the face. All the guy does is brush his hand out of his face. And he gets ejected that's, for making contact with a That's an offensive foul. It's pretty fucked up, yeah, I reckon. Pretty, like, pretty like Rondo, like literally multiple, not just one little trigger pull, like multiple trigger pulls right in this guy's like face. Like he emptied a clip. Yeah, like it was hands. just, I didn't, it wasn't a good look. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. So, Nath, opening week has pretty much been and gone. We wanted to ask a lot of questions because there's so much to talk about. But I think given the, the time restraints, kind of, Limited it to three. Yep. I've got three questions I want to ask you. So the first And look, one, I must preface by saying I was away last week, so I've only seen the one game so far. So this basically <laughs> So this, this is, is all based be... on what I've heard and read. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets all have title aspirations. Now the Nets clawed back to a 2-2 record after losses to Charlotte and Milwaukee. The Lakers looked a little bit average against the Warriors and the Suns. They sit at one and two. 
Clippers got on the board with a win against Portland today. They're now one and two. Well, the Lakers were lucky to get over the line against the Grizz too. A little bit, yeah. Jam around Mr. Free Throw. Yes. Yeah. Which of these teams do you think has the biggest problems early in the season? Um, hmm, that's a really good question, especially because I haven't seen them play yet. I They all have unique issues, don't they? So obviously the Nets have Kyrie. The Lakers have a couple of ball-dominant players who, particularly in Westbrook's case, I don't think he knows what to do off the ball. So that's an interesting one too. He never has for the regular. <laughs> yeah, well, but but normally he didn't need to play off the ball much. Whereas on this team with LeBron, he it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. The Clippers, well, we have lowered expectations for the Clippers because Kawhi's out an extended period. So I, do you know, I'd actually probably say the Lakers out of the other two because, yeah, again, the Clippers, until Kawhi's back, I don't give them a real shot. Yeah. What do you reckon? It, look, it's an interesting one. I, I personally, I look, I think the Lakers will figure it out. Um, I think both teams will. You, you could very much make the case. and There has been a lot of talk about Westbrook and the turnovers. You know, but last season, he had five or more turnovers in stick for the first seven games that they played. And Washington was one and six in those games. Yeah. Washington, and they came home with a wet they, sub. They turned it around. Yeah, big time. And then the season before that in Houston, he had at least four turnovers in five of the first eight games. Later in the season, had a 10 turnover game, a nine and four eights. Wow. So lots of turnovers. Yeah. I think we do need to pump the brakes a little bit, though, because have we ever been in such an era of overreaction? It just seems to get worse and worse every year. And, like, realistically, it's less than a tenth of the season. This like, is why it's fun to do this. Oh, stuff. it is fun. <laughs> it's super fun. Like it's And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about it regardless. But although they have a training camp, although they have a preseason, nothing replicates real games. And when you do have these teams with numerous new players, you do, it will take time to work out the rotations, to work out the chemistry. There's a lot of big guys in Brooklyn. They can't all play. Like, I, I think Paul Millsap's the odd man out. See, I love, but, I love that you've brought that up. Well, it is just, so, I mean, I think we mentioned it in our preview too. I think I probably mentioned it in the preview. Like, it, it was glaring to me. They have five power forwards yeah. that are 32 or older. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, and James Johnson. Now, yep. Aldridge and Griffin can play centre. That's fine. But they're predominantly... Well, they don't like playing centre. No, that's it. They're predominantly yeah. sort of stretch fours that can, yep. that can do this. And, and it's funny. Like, this is what happens when you build a team like this. Guys like, you know, Bruce Brown was getting buried early. Okay, now he played a bit today. LaMarcus Aldridge had a, a DNPCD. That's fine. Um, I did not play coach's decision for anyone who doesn't know what that is. It's it's funny. Like, this this is why I had the Nets as the one I was actually worried about. Yeah. Well, yeah. If Kyrie doesn't play, I honestly don't believe the Nets can make any noise. I think they can. I still think they can. And they'll work it out. I, I think Griffin's the top of the pile there, mostly because of his age and he's the best playmaker of all them as a guy who can pass out of the post. But, or even playmake out of the post. But... Yeah, I think both teams, in the in, in the grand scheme of things, I think both teams will be okay. Look, I think the guys on the ring made a really good point about this. So if you look like you've you've not got LA Clippers, Blake Griffin, you've not got Portland Trailblazers or even San Antonio Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge, you don't have Atlanta Hawks, Paul Millsap. These guys aren't the same players oh, as no, they were no, no, no. seven, eight years ago. No, no. So, but the Lakers have a lot of washed up veterans. Well, maybe not washed of, up, of but course. a lot of could be washed up. The season will tell, I think. But you've also got to remember that that leaves Durant and, and Harden doing all of the playmaking 
like predominantly. Yeah, yeah. They don't. Paddy's a shoot first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they don't really have that the way that the Lakers do with Westbrook or with, with some of these other guys. So, but that's why that's why to me Griffin is top of the pile because even when he played, okay, granted he was a while ago for the Clippers, but he was. Do you remember in that playoff series against the Spurs? I hate to say where he's getting like seven assists a game. Yeah. Like so, yeah, uh, yeah. I still think the, the Nets worry me the most out of this. Now they had a, a good win today against Washington, so mm, yeah, don't know how much that means. Yeah, but yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean for me the Clippers, you're right, curbed expectations. They were pretty impressive today against Portland. They were pretty solid against Golden State and Memphis. Unlucky to lose those two and six point games. So yeah, I don't know. I, I actually I think the Nets. Yeah, I really think. The oh, look, team... you could make a case, a strong case for both. Yeah, for different reasons, as I say. Yeah, definitely. Question number two: What team has surprised you the most so far? Do you know, it's it's actually a little bit tough because, in one sense, an obvious candidate would be the Bulls, but we both talked up the Bulls quite well. And by the way, two of their three wins are against Detroit, so the competition isn't exactly. Yeah, well, it's not, well, they beat Toronto today as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say probably the Suns and then maybe the Pacers behind them. Ah, so you've gone a different way then. You've gone surprising in terms of disappointment. Disappointment surprises. I too. thought you would be absolutely bragging from the roof about the Golden State Warriors being under. Well, again, though, but it's not a surprise because I, I expected them to, <laughs> to bounce back. True. Good, so, good yeah, that wasn't a surprise to me. I mean, Indy's kind of had a tough run, like, the Hornets have been playing good ball. The Bucks obviously are the Bucks. Surprisingly, they beat Miami. That was yeah, the, that yeah, was the big yeah, surprise. But, yeah. And then obviously they lost a, a bit of a heartbreaker against Washington. But it's uh, you know they've been a, a they've been an interesting team. Like Chris Duarte has been a, a revelation for them coming into that starting five. And the benefit of him was his age, so he was more experienced than a lot of players. And and he was one of the guys touted to be NBA ready from the get go. So in some ways that wasn't super surprising, but it's good that it's working out so far. Yeah, and and look, they'll come good. I mean, they're they're bound to have a bit of a run. Like they've got the Raptors next, so they've got they've got games they can definitely. Well, win. it's a marathon, not a sprint. We have a long, long, long way to go. I'm really excited about this season. Oh. I think it's going to be a really good season. And the, the the problems with Brooklyn and LA are great. They make it even more interesting because we don't want this fate accompli stuff, and it may still happen anyway. But It'd be nice to see a few twists and turns along the way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that it's unfolded the way it has so far. Mm. Yeah. All right, Stuart, I know you're dying to answer your own question. I am. Who's I your am. team? I've got the Hornets. Yeah? Okay. So, yeah, it has to be them. They'll, they'll be disappointed. They lost to Boston today. They're up by 10 sort of midway through the fourth quarter. They tried to get into a shootout with Boston, which is unfortunately not something they're going to win too often. By the way, Boston have already played in three overtime periods in four games. Mm. A double OT to the Knicks and then another one today. Yep. But you look at who they've beaten so far. They've beaten Brooklyn. They've beaten Indiana, who I just mentioned as well. They're 3-1 and one at the moment, which it's a great start. Miles Bridges seems to have really taken that next step already. He's got two 30-point games this season, which is the oh, I love watching him play. He only had yeah. two all of last season. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's these young guys that can take these leaps from season to season. Yeah, yeah. he seems to have added the mid-range. He's got a nice little post-up going as well. He's hitting threes. Yeah, it's, it's just it's so nice to see. And he's a player I've loved watching right from the start. Super, I always say this, he's super bad. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got, super athletic. Got, I love watching him. Yeah, pogo yeah. Sticks, yeah. So. They're a good team to watch. So to have him being able to now have a, a decent mid-range and be able to knock down those threes, that's really, really important to the Hornets. Lamelo Ball, yeah, I'm still eating humble pie on the fact that I said he'd be a bust. I'm happy for him that he's not. 
the shot is still ugly, yes, but his confidence is through the his roof. His playmaking is just magnificent. And and through four games, he's on a 50-50-100 clip. Now, I know that's a very small, <laughs> it's a small sample size, but if he even goes close to 50-40-85... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This team is going to make some noise. Yeah. The only issues I can kind of see with Charlotte, veteran leadership would have helped them today. So they are very young. Obviously. And that was one of the things we, we mentioned in our preview, yeah. That yep. will lose them some games. Kelly Oubre still worries me. He was terrible in the overtime today. And only PJ Washington and Terry Rosier, who played one game so far, are shooting worse than him. So he's shooting terribly. And I didn't realize how shit a free throw shooter Mason Plumley is. Okay. He was nearly 67% last year, and he started the season four for 15. Four. Like, you can't have him in the game. Like, there was a. a yeah, play. no, that's exactly not in late game situation. Well, no. well there was a play late today, and it, and it shows how young these guys are. A minute. 53, I think it was, left in regulation. And they swing the ball to Plumley at the top of the keyway. And he catches it, you know, 25 feet from the basket. And Dennis Schroeder just goes, sweet, grabs him. Foul's called. He bricks two of the worst free throws you'll ever see. And the Celtics take the lead 11 seconds later. So, yep. yeah. Look, still a very surprising and, and exciting start for the Hornets, though. So the final question, Nate, for you is, what is your biggest first week storyline? Oh, that's a tough one. I'll, I'll make this really personal and I'll say I can't wait to watch a Cleveland Cavaliers game. And I have not said that for many seasons yeah. <laughs> since LeBron played for them. Evan Mobley is looking fantastic at the stat line. So I can't wait to see him in game. And he and Jared Allen seem to be working quite well together. Yeah, well, that, that surprised is a surprise. Me. Yeah, yeah. But if he can play stretch four kind of role as well, then they could work together, I guess. Gee, they got a lot of length. Okay. Yeah. So- Cavs watchable is your headline. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Surprising, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I think the, the one for me, it has to be that I've actually underestimated Ja Morant. <laughs> like I asked in our preseason. Yeah, you've been bullish on him yeah, as an MVP candidate. I asked whether you thought he could make an all-NBA team one week into the season and he's a fucking MVP. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, though, I mean, you know. But he's... One week. I'm, he's been amazing. Yeah, no, he has. He has. 35 points a game. He's leading the league. He's nearly shooting 60, 40, 80 at the moment. Yeah. He's playing that well. Eight assists a game. He's top 10 in the league there. Like, so far, he is just so much ahead of the curve in terms of the jump I was expecting. Uh, if he keeps this up, he could actually seriously contend for MVP this season. I think we need to put an embargo on any MVP talk for at least a month and a half, probably two months. No. <laughs> Well, like, you know, I said by the time he's 25, because it kind of feels like he's on the same trajectory as Derek Rose, but damn, has he taken a leap. Yeah, well, I'd love to see it. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week takes us to Merca, the land of the free and some of the weirdest projectiles I've heard of. During the college football match between Ole Miss and Tennessee, the Volunteers of Tennessee were making a fight back in the fourth quarter and very, very nearly converted what could have been a crucial fourth and 24. Tennessee fans were not happy, though, at all, feeling like they should have had the first down and did what fans sometimes do, throwing things onto the field. Oh, dear. It's not cool at the best of times, but it happens. It does. But sideline reporters noted things like vape pens, beers, and a whole bottle of mustard. <laughs> that is some of the most Gen Z bullshit imaginable. <laughs> like, I'm honestly surprised they weren't throwing down, like, avocado smash. <laughs> it's too expensive. Man. Or pumpkin lattes or something like that. <laughs> Again, like, too expensive. Seriously. Do you, know, do you know what this reminds me of? When we were at the Wacker 
And, you know, whenever they do the Mexican wave and people throw shit in the air and our mate just, like, this chicken carcass, like, falls <laughs> on the ground. or Did it fall on him? Or it certainly fell at his feet. And he's like, what the fuck? Who throws a chicken? And then I was talking about this with, with another mate a while back. And I think it happened again in the West Indies when we were at the World Cup. Sure enough, another chicken carcass, like... Just talk about lightning striking twice. Yeah, or carcass striking twice. Probably a good thing there was no rain without lightning because that terrible drainage. In yeah, the they sure did. They sure did. But Coach Lane Kiffin was actually hit by a golf ball that was Ooh. thrown from the crowd. Like, who goes to a football game with a golf ball in their pocket? It's a good question. Oh, game's at two, but I've got a tea time at four fifteen. I'd better be ready. <laughs> like, come on. It's like, oh, do you want to go? Do you want to go tailgating? No, no, I got to find my lucky golf ball. Yeah, today. like fuck's sake. Yeah. So for throwing stupid shit onto the field instead of just hurling good old-fashioned abuse like they did in my day. All I can, <laughs> chicken all, all I can say to the fans of Tennessee is bloody hell. <laughs> bloody hell. So, sure, we should probably follow themes, shouldn't we? We'll stick with ladies first once again here as we talk about the cricket. And we will get into the T20 World Cup. At time of recording, South Africa has just beaten the Windies and New Zealand and Pakistan has just begun. But Kim Garth for the stars over the thunder today in the WBBL. Former Ireland international picking up three for none in her opening overs. And what makes it even more impressive, they were all maidens. Mm. Three for none off three. And then she wasted it by going for 11 in her four, though. Well, bloody hell, you can have a bit of uh, room there. Discipline issues, (laughs) honestly. Fantastic. And there's been a lot of good performances in the WBBL. It's been a really interesting instalment so far. Now, unfortunately, we had four no results because of pretty poor weather in Launceston. Yeah, washed out. You're going to get that in Jadzi, unfortunately. But the next day made up for it well and truly, didn't it? Well, it did, yeah. I mean, Sophie Devine had 101 off 60 for Perth against the Sydney Thunder. Then we had a hat-trick for Darcy Brown against Adelaide for Brisbane. She got rid of Georgia Redmayne, Ellie Johnson and Laura Kaminsk, which is, you know, two of the Australian national players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's been some great stuff. Rachel Pratt. East had 107 off 68 for Hobart yeah, against some the big Stars. Tons. And Ruth Johnston took four for eight off her 3.2 overs in the same game for Hobart. So there's been a lot of really great stuff. Talia McGrath, she's continued her purple patch. She had a, a 42 and a three for 17 in the same match, a 50. And then, of course, followed that up with a golden duck and none for 20 off well, two you overs. Know, you can't, but you can't do it all. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's been some great stuff going on. I will say this. I mentioned Alyssa Healy in one of our previous couple of, episodes. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. It looked like she was back on form. 57 off 27 in their first game that they played. The Sydney Sixers chased down a revised total of 100 off 11 overs. But then she's thrown in three off six, 14 off 13, and five off 10. So her patchy form, unfortunately, continues. Continue, yeah. You know, she's struggling with the pace off the wicket from what I've seen. It's a cruel game. It, it, it is. It, yeah. You're at a hiding to nothing. Yeah, yeah. And we only celebrate the victories. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I've loved, though, about this so far, before today, there have been a couple of games played today, so I haven't actually had a chance to look at the updated ladder, but usually a handful of games into these tournaments, there's a runaway leader or two. Before today's game, first to fifth were all on five points. And I can tell you also, the defending champions, Thunder, are not looking good at all. Well, They're they, struggling. Well, they've only played three games before today. But, yeah, I mean, all it takes, though, is Smriti Mandana to fire up and all of a sudden they could be back. And so you just don't know. I mean, it's it, it's just been fascinating cricket to watch. Good, healthy competition. It, yeah. it is. It yeah. is. So, all right, let's move into the bloke side of the game. And that is the T20 World Cup for starters. And the Aussies had a inauspicious start. It was a win. A win's a win. But 
they probably made it a little bit harder than it needed to be against the South Africans, I feel. Game of two halves, really. Yeah. Bowled beautifully, fielded pretty well, batted like shit. Yeah, pretty. I mean, the entire match, there were regular wickets for both teams. So it was just very hard for anyone to get a rhythm because they were constantly picking up wickets. Yeah. Yeah, look, it, it does highlight one of the issues, though, for the Australians is that, unfortunately, they don't have a batting lineup that you can really rely on. Steve Smith, unfortunately, was out to an absolute blind oh, catch. Oh, it was a magnificent catch. Real Superman dive. Yeah, oh, that was huge. And the South Africans were excellent in the field. And, and when, you, when you're defending a fairly low total, you have to be really good. In the, your margin for error is small. That was an amazing kick. But the whole fielding effort was really good, I thought. Yeah. It was. And, yeah. and, you know, thankfully we got a, a really nice contribution from Marcus Stoinis, who looked a bit patchy early, as he often does in his innings, but managed to work Yeah, and I steered at home well, yeah. So, yeah, look, a decent win. There's been a lot of crazy stuff, though, in the lead-up to the actual the, the Super 12. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things from the, the qualifier. It's funny you say that, Stuart. I saw a tweet that said Scotland has won more T20 International World Cup matches than they have in the soccer. Oh, just in this tournament. Ouch. Yeah, well, hey, ouch. truth is truth. Yeah, if well, that is truth, I haven't verified. Sorry, I'm, I'm saying ouch because my heritage is yes, from, yes, from Scotland. Yes. But now, let's, yeah, let's go back to some of the fun stuff. So Ireland, not a great campaign for them. They were pounced by Sri Lanka. Namibia shocked them in a boil over in their first win over a test-playing nation. But it all looked pretty rosy first up against the Netherlands. Curtis Camper, four wickets in four balls to take the Dutch from two for 51 to six for 51 in the blink of an eye. The rare double hat trick. But I must say, after our choke special last week, the umpire had Ooh. a little bit of a choke himself. Yeah. So the first ball, given not out, caught behind, was reviewed and then overturned. The second ball was given out, LBW, looked to be missing leg by a mile, wasn't reviewed. The third ball was given not out LBW, was reviewed and overturned for the hat-trick. And then thankfully the fourth ball was dragged onto the, the stump, so he couldn't really fuck that one up. <laughs> I saw a great comment on Facebook, though. Good to see the big bash umpires getting some practice in before the season starts. <laughs> not a very oh, not dear. a good start. No, all. no. Now, Namibia, we've got to talk about them. What a, <laughs> what a revelation they have been. They have. So, obviously, a huge portion of their success comes down to David Wieser. He had 66 or 40 against the Dutch, 28 or 14 against Ireland. He's had good support, though. Gerard Erasmus with the bat. Jan Feilink was taken wickets. They've just been such a bundle of positive energy, though. How's picky your France? Yeah, well, I mean... His bowling action has a lot of flourish for a guy that is basically bowling arm balls every delivery yeah. from what I saw. We caught a little bit of the Island-Namibia game at the Settlers Tavern. There was the most farcical non-run out you'll ever see. I mean, look up the... Oh, crikey. They made the, the South Africans in 1999. Well, it's funnily yeah. enough, that's exactly what I thought of, especially having recently recorded the choke special. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But didn't cost them, thankfully. By the way, speaking of South Africa... Mr. Bray Shamsie basically the love child of Paul Adams and Pat Simcox. What? Oh, he's like <laughs> slightly pudgy spin bowler who can't keep his head up when he bowls. <laughs> like, watch him bowl. He's basically the love child of Paul Adams and Pat Simcox. Who's the mum? Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. We talked about Penny Taylor and Diana yeah, Taurasi right. before. True. Yeah. But yeah but Anything can happen. Both of them have wombs, though. <laughs> Pat Simcox had a gut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he's the mum. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but I have to say with this whole Namibia thing, this is what I love so much about these World Cups. And this is exactly why I think 
that the four other teams that qualified, so Papua New Guinea, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Oman, they should just get to play in the round robin. Yeah. Like, why have them over there to play three games and then say, no, nah, you're not good enough, off you go? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's how they lift. Yeah. That's how they lift. Play on. And, and the thing is, like, every team is going to get to play them. So if they say, oh, well, Papua New Guinea's not particularly strong, so, you know, it's not fair. Well, of course it is. Everyone plays them. Well, I think the perfect example is Scotland and Bangladesh. Bangladesh used to be minnows. Now they've risen themselves up. They, I mean, they dominate Australia in the recent T20 series that we had against them. And sure enough, Scotland beat them. So it's just great experience for these teams. And the only way they get better, still sharpen steel or, you know, steel sharpens aluminium to maybe <laughs> one day become steel. Oh, God, that's taking me back. <laughs> steel sharpens aluminium. Sorry. It does, no, it's very, very true. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that these teams need to be playing in the round robins. I mean, an extra few games doesn't really matter. No. So, you know, you're all over there. You're in this kind of bubble in Oman and the UAE. And then bubbles within bubbles with those little fences. Yeah. How well, are those? <laughs> well, this is it. We, we, and we saw that on full display in the Australia South Africa game. This, yeah, this social distancing attempt, I guess, on the hill. These little like two by two white picket fence. I can't, yeah, I can't work out if it is a social distancing attempt or if it's just a weird little thing that they've brought in to allow people to have their own little patch. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Like, yeah. I've read people comparing them to unmarked graves and all sorts of things. <laughs> Look, I kind of like the idea as somebody who has... I don't mind it, yeah. I mean, I've got two kids under the age of five. I don't know if that would actually hold them in, but it would slow them down at least. Yeah, well, if they're only crawling, it would help, I think. Yeah, yeah. and that that was what Shane Watson was saying. Yeah, well, there you go. On the the commentary team. So, yeah, I kind of like it. And as someone, I find... so Okay, this is kind of grossing people out, I'm sure, but... I'm one of these weird people who likes those, you know, like pimple-popping videos. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no thanks. I'm one of those weird people, so... I find it so aesthetically pleasing. I, I just, I love that idea of just the, the, the symmetry, the fences. Okay. I just love it. It's, but they're not equidistant apart, sure. They are a little bit all over the shop. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah, they kind of look pretty from above. Okay. Yeah, good jigsaw puzzle, actually. But I'll tell you what, the social distancing didn't half go out the door in the India-Pakistan game on Sunday night. Packed him in like sardines. I, oh, like, I wish I saw that one. That was, was, what a finish. It was like a match at Chennai. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> But yeah, first time Pakistan's won a T20I by 10 wickets. First time India's lost one by 10. I have not seen India dominated for that much of a match before. Let me read this to you, Stewie. India versus Pakistan in ICC Men's World Cups. 1992, India. 96, 99, 2003, all India. 2007, tied. India won in a bowler. 2007 again, India. 2011, 2012, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2019. All India. Finally, in 2021, Pakistan. Do you know the biggest thing I take out of that? Fuck, the bowl outs were stupid. Oh, mate. Speaking of choking, I was down the pub a few weeks ago and they were showing an old game between the New Zealand team and the West Indies and they were trying to finish it with a bowl off and no one could hit the stumps. Find the footage on YouTube. It's nuts. It's like these guys are professionals. They were bowling a beautiful line. Oh, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, outside off. Just outside off. Great if a batter's there, but yeah, crikey. I'll tell you what, I have not seen India dominated for that much of a match before. And the, the ball that Shaheen Afridi bowled to get rid of Rohit Sharma, absolute peach. You, you cannot put a price on getting him first ball. Mohamed Rizwan and Babar Azam, perfect run chase, basically chanceless against a really good Indian bowling lineup. Babar Azam has to just about be the best batter in the world at the moment. He's right up right there. Right up there. Yeah. I, I, kind of I know wonder, Root's going all right too at the moment. He's but... not going bad. Yeah. I do kind of wonder if India panics and maybe replaces Varun Chakravarti or... 
or Bhuvneshwar Kumar for the next match. We will see, but great to see a, a crazy result like that in the first game that they played. Yeah, no, an exciting start. Now, last quick one. What do you make of the size of the grounds? Yeah, they're like footy overalls, don't they? They're a bit weird, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they they're a little bit surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So the boundaries have been quite long in some areas. There seems to be these swirling breezes that have held a lot of the sixes up in and sort of held them back from going yeah, to the Yeah, could be a low-scoring tournament. Well, it could be. Like the Australia-South Africa game only had two sixes and it didn't go short. It was literally came in, coming down to the last over. Yep. Bangladesh and Sri Lanka had 11. So, yeah, you know, yep. there's, there's no real rhyme or reason. The first nine matches of this tournament saw an average first-inning score of 145, but then the following seven saw that plummet to just 112 before Afghanistan destroyed Scotland for 190 yesterday. So now, there were some minnows only scoring in the 50s as well, of course. Well, even the West Indies only managed to, what, 56? 55. 55, yeah. The Dutch had 44. Yeah, But yeah. still, like, it's it's really interesting. Because, I mean, you use the Australia-South Africa game as an example. South Africa, good side, make 118. We struggle to make oh, 119. Well, yeah, once they score 118, I'm like, this is in the bag. Like, Easy. But it wasn't so easy. We no, were lucky. No, but that's it. So, I dare say if, if Smith isn't caught, it probably is fairly easy. That catch was huge. True. Yeah. But Dustin Langer did make the point that we could see a lot of low-scoring games. I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially during the day when the ball's not skidding on yeah, as much. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's going to be good. Just quickly going back to Afghanistan as well, though. Yes. They're a sneaky, scary team right now. Oh, great spin bowlers. Great spin bowlers. Well, well, this is it. They've got two of the top five T20 bowlers in the entire world. Rashid Khan. Oh, I, I love watching him play. And Mujib Rahman as well, at number five. Those two combined yesterday, 6.2 overs, 9 for 29. Yeah, I saw that. 9 for 29. Yeah, they just dismantled them. But then they've, you look at some of the guys that they've got in their batting lineup. You've got Hazratullah Zazai. He's basically Afghanistan's Rohit Sharma. Stand and deliver, smashing sixes all over the place. He's He's scary. You've got Ramunala, Gurbaz, you've got Najibullah, Bullet, Zadran. They all hit a long ball, multiple 100-plus metre sixes last night. And then they've got Mohamed Nabi who can come in and easily do what he did last night, 11 off four, these little cameos. Yep. They are a dangerous, dangerous Yeah, yeah. Oh, they could easily upset a couple of teams. There's yeah. no reason why they couldn't. And I have to say, just quickly, so, so good for that to be happening. How quickly everyone's forgotten what's happening in Afghanistan. This is so great for the people of their country. To it is. To it that. is. Yeah, it's a very complex one. It's a shame that the women can't be playing. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. Hope, hopefully this will be a, a tiny little smile. On oh, we faces. should celebrate. Absolutely. Celebrate the achievements. My only thing, Shui, these matches are getting too long. Mm. T20s were meant to be three hours. They're now four, four and a quarter, four and a half. It's too long. It's too long. We can't all have Ravi Jadeja bowling, getting wow. through overs in 35 seconds. Like, Okay, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's it's just too much, and that that is is bothering me a bit. I've got to be honest. Yeah. I want them over quicker. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. They are dragging on into the middle of the night. Which yeah, yeah, does make it tough. All right, Nathan, it's early, but who have you got winning it? Oh wow, wow! I don't want to say Pakistan. Okay, hey, not a bad pick. Yeah, Ex- what do you reckon? Explosive batting lineup, decent bowling as well. Look, it's hard for me to go past England. They they bat deep, they bowl yeah, really well. Yeah, I didn't well. want to say England. You've got Moeen Ali, Adil Rashid. He was four for two off 2.2 overs against the Windies, by the way, the other day. They looked really good, admittedly, against a poor batting display. But, yeah, I, I think it's hard to pick against A them. good batting lineup, though. I mean, the Windies. Oh, cool. Well, no, not the Windies. The Windies batted, yeah, they just batted poorly. They batted poorly, but they're good players. Like, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, hard to pick against them. Pakistan's a good pick, though. We will see. Mm-hmm.
Just quickly to round out the cricket as well, mate. Ben Stokes, big announcement saying he's good to go for the Ashes. How happy are you to hear that? Yeah, bring it on, I say. It was really funny. I saw on Twitter last night when it was announced, the Barmy Army tweeted about it. Like, you're like, oh, you know, Australia's suffering your jocks kind of thing. And all the comments were like, bring it on. Might actually be competitive now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I couldn't help myself. I said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, it's good if you have your New Zealander playing. So, yeah, yeah bring him up. <laughs> no, look, it's good. You never want the excuses of, oh, we didn't have Ben Stokes or it didn't rain enough or all that sort of stuff. Like, it's, it's Well, good. Archer isn't playing already, so there are other internationals. So. But it makes for a better series, win, lose or draw. I will say this, though. He's dealing with a finger injury. He better be practicing his hook shot because he's going to get a shit ton of short ones. I'm sure he'll be punching it all around the ground, Stewie. <laughs> all right, Stewie, another big one in the books. You know what that music means. What do you have for? Well, super amp for Australia and England at the T20 World Cup. And I think India and New Zealand could be an absolute belter as well. In the NBA, Denver at Utah tomorrow and Miami at Brooklyn. So many juicy games this week. How about yourself, mate? I'm looking forward to catching up on a lot of what I missed last week. So I've got some NBA to watch. I've got some NFL to watch. And I've got to say, I can't wait to see my Spurs. A lot of buzz about them being really exciting and good to watch. Guys like Devin Vassell taking the next step. You've I'm going to have to seek them out. You've also got some Balloon World Cup to catch up on. <laughs> I sure do. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes. 